On today's episode of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring, we discuss Vanderbilt's loss to the Florida Gators, 38-17 in Nashville. Dan Mullen with a few shots on Vanderbilt's locker rooms, obviously in the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic season. A lot going on, but Dan Mullen got a shot in. We will also talk about Ken Seals' performance, Chris Pierce being a monster, and the defense looking good in the first half, but not being able to hold off the potential Heisman Trophy winner, Kyle Trask. We'll talk about Vandy, Florida, and much more, including Dimitri Moore opting out, and as well as entering the transfer portal. So he has opted out and then decided to enter the transfer portal as well. So we'll talk about that and how much that can impact Vanderbilt's defense as we head into the final three games of the season. And Tennessee and Vanderbilt has been postponed. Sadly, we do not get the annual Saturday after Thanksgiving rivalry week matchup between the Vols and the Doors, but Vanderbilt will play Missouri instead at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. And lastly, we also touch on Vanderbilt and Valpo Friday night, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. Year two under Jerry Stackhouse is coming right up. Let's ride. Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615-356-0303. That's 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Before we get to a jam-packed show for you today, it's now time to hear Will Byram speak a few words on the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in Westmead, the Recycling Dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every budget and every need, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 50. It is a Tuesday, November 24th. Welcome back in. Again, we are always presented by the great folks at Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Will Byram is my co-host per usual. Willie, we're back in better than ever with another episode. I'm finally reporting live here in Nashville. We're finally reunited. We might have to get um, a live show uh, somewhere with, with both of our faces in the same area uh, for once, but but Will, uh, how you doing? It's it's uh, it's getting close to Thanksgiving. Uh, you about ready to to eat a bunch of food? Yeah, I'm about re- I'm about ready to eat a bunch of food. I was hoping to go eat a bunch of food and then watch Vanderbilt play Tennessee on Saturday. Mm. But unfortunately, we'll get more into that later. But unfortunately, um, that's been postponed, mm. and Vanderbilt now takes on Missouri 
Um, and something that I haven't really heard talked about a lot is Vanderbilt was preparing for a home game all week, and then they get told on, what, Tuesday mm-hmm. um, or Monday, late Monday, that they're going to be taking a bus ride down to Missouri, which is eight or ten hours. So that's a pretty yeah. big adjustment in your scheduling right there. <laughs> no doubt about it. And, and obviously I'm with you. Vanderbilt, Tennessee is a traditional rivalry the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and that's not happening, just like a lot of things that uh, aren't quite going to be the same this Thanksgiving. But uh, again, there are certainly a lot to be thankful for, and Vanderbilt will be playing a game. Uh, So we will talk about Missouri a little bit later in the week as we get closer to that. But Will, on today's episode, we got a lot to talk about. We'll talk about Vanderbilt's loss to Florida, Uh, obviously the Tennessee game being postponed, as you mentioned. And Dimitri Moore, he, he is no longer on the team. He decided to opt out of the final few games of this season. Uh, again, obviously some personal issues there, uh, but uh, we'll talk about that and the impact uh, of his absence. And then also we will preview Vanderbilt and Valparaiso tipping off at 6 o'clock Friday night. Will, we got year two under Stackhouse getting ready to get go going uh, on Friday night. So, again, we'll talk about that. But before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore reports on Instagram door dot report like us on Facebook subscribe to our YouTube channel our podcast is available on anchor iTunes Spotify and Google podcasts and while you're at it go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes all right well Vanderbilt law loses to Florida 38 17 uh Vanderbilt covered um surprisingly we uh you know we predicted uh Florida to cover I think both of us did just barely and even Gator Dave um did as well but Will your initial thoughts uh, I, I I was pretty pleased as a whole with just the fight of this team and I, I know you were too yeah, overall, the the performance from the team is really, really good. Um, this is a final score of 38-17 that doesn't really tell the story of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanderbilt was really in this game up until the late stages of the fourth quarter. Um, and, and just some missed opportunities, um, like usual, and, and battling mm-hmm. the guys uh, in the zebra stripes all game <laughs> with some very questionable calls. And it tell calls me in, about it. And a pretty close sequence. So... Ken Seals had a really good performance. Vanderbilt finally got over their uh, first quarter issues. It seems like they came out mm-hmm. with a really good plan, came out with a really strong drive. They did. Um, and, and we'll kind of get into some keys here, and, and I'll see what you think alongside these, Billy. But Mitchell Pryor was somebody yeah. that stuck out to me at running back, and I was watching with some people that weren't necessarily Vanderbilt fans. and, and so they even this pointed kid? Out, Who is this guy? Because it looked like every single time he got hit, he was not going down, going down on the first tackler um, and bouncing off two or three guys and runs that should have been uh, negative one yards or one yard Mm -hmm. returning into three, four yard gains. And his final stats are only 13 carries for 44 yards. But but his performance really impressed me. But we were definitely still missing uh, Keon Henry Brooks. Mm. Yeah, that was big. That it was really big just because of his presence. You know, not I mean, he's he's a very talented guy, but I mean, you look at Mitchell Pryor and, you know, he's not the hardest guy to bring down. He will run tough. But I mean, Keon Henry Brooks, the absence of him definitely made an impact. But will the offense still played really well and Chris Pierce, I know, impressed you. Man, he he's coming along, what is it, five touchdowns in the last four games and that highlight play mm. that made it on it's the Sports Center, uh, ESPN. Sports Center tweeted yeah. it out, ESPN, SEC Network. I mean, that was a real highlight play. If this game would have mm-hmm. come down to more of a close ending, I think you would have been seeing that even more all yeah. over social 
initially initially actually on that i didn't think you know i I didn't think it was as impressive i was watching it live and i was like okay you know breaks this tackle breaks another you know that's bad florida tackling and then i kind of look back at it and and i watch the full thing over like boy he is a monster i mean this guy is legit he is a legit sec receiver that you know he could be an all sec type of guy if he keeps this production going and and you know we'll see how his season goes and 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 but will my goodness i mean to be on sports center and espn and have you know that get a lot of exposure re- really good on him yeah he reminded uh, a lot of nashville football fans a lot of another guy that plays receiver here uh, and aj brown right. so that and that he, is high he praise had a monster him. play too on sunday yeah so so that's always high praise when you're compared to one of the best young receivers in the nfl but uh, another guy I don't want to get swept under the rug here is, is Andre Mintz performed mm-hmm. very, very well. He was, yes, he he was a stuck out to me. Um, I believe he had two sacks. Um, yeah. Oh, it only, counted, only counted as one, one counted as a tackle for loss or a half yeah. tackle for loss. But he, he, he finally, he, he finally kind of broke out. You know, he, he had those, mm-hmm. he's had times where, you know, he's made a couple plays, but this was the Mints we've been wanting to see, the veteran leader who makes big plays. And and the broadcast talked about it. They they really gave him some love, and and they, they talked about how good he is in the community, but not only is he good in the community, he's he's a great player. And 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 Vanderbilt, you know, with all the fight, they 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 had Mintz's effort, but, boy, it's they also had to beat the, the Zebra Stripes. And, and so many just atrocious calls that – and I know you tweeted – uh, you were you were the live tweeter. I knew it instantly. Just because we are Vanderbilt, we don't get those calls. Only reason. There's no other reason we don't get that call. That was the most blatant, one of the more blatant reviews when the as the ball hit the ground. And I was watching it with a few other guys, and we all knew, you know, we all knew that what the call should have been. But it's almost like there wasn't a ton of argument. You know, Vanderbilt fans know the drill. They know what's up, and it wasn't going to fly. And, yeah, and it's the, sad. it really is. Yeah, the the huge thing on that is, the, I think maybe the most broken rule in, in maybe any sport is what is a catch and what is not. Because I've seen some that the player maintains possession, what seems like through the entire thing, and the ball grazes the ground, and mm-hmm. it's an incomplete pass. On that one, I don't yeah. know how much more evidence you need when mm-hmm. the ball is in the receiver's hands, two hands. He does not make a foot. Well, my, well, my my understanding the ball is, is up against his shoulder pad and his forearm. Yeah, my my I think you cut out my end a little bit there, but my understanding of that, and I, I know you. I mean, this is the is this I thought you know this was the football, the worldwide universal football understanding of a catch. If the ground helps you make the catch, there it is not a catch, and that that's kind of been my understanding. Now the question is, has that shifted? Has that mindset shifted? I don't know, but. I, I, I used to think if the ball, if the ground ever helped you make the catch, it's not a catch. And that, that time it's almost like the, the grass made the catch it without that grass, without, you know, that, that turf, he does not make that catch. Yeah. This is just one it, in the rule book. It's not a catch. We tweeted out a, a screenshot of the actual NCAA rule book. Um, and then like just backyard, basic football rules. That's not a catch. You'd have people no. arguing about that in my flag football league. So <laughs> That honestly wasn't even the most egregious of all the calls. That no. The personal foul, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty was possibly, I don't want to say the worst, because there have been some pretty bad calls by SEC referees, <laughs> but 
I mean, he kind of bumps the Florida defender, and then the Florida yeah. defender shoves him two hands in the back, and somehow it's a penalty, and he yeah, doesn't this react. Is, he just holds his Grant, hands up in the air. Yeah, Grant Miller. Um, it was it was it was late. Was it fourth quarter? Uh, I'll have to look at when that penalty. I, I think it was early fourth quarter. You know, game was still somewhat in striking distance for Vandy, um, and this this unsportsmanlike conduct penalty called on Grant Miller where he basically just nudges the Florida player, as he mentioned. And then the Florida uh, D lineman out of nowhere comes out and shoves him in the back. And there's a no call on that. And, and I get the fact, okay, first guy is usually, you know, the second guy's usually, um, well, I mean, usually the second guy is the one that gets caught. Not well, even- first off, it, I don't think it should have been a penalty on either of them. No, but if no I, don't, I don't think so. going to get the penalty on that play, it's definitely not Grant Miller. No, um, and that's but, what Orlovsky was saying. Orlovsky was talking about that is a that's that's a football play. I mean that mm-hmm. those are two guys battling, maybe a little after whistle, but you know let it go. You it, more than more often than not, you let that go, and and you know you move on with your life. But again, another call. I'm not going to say it cost them the game, but boy, that was that was a really bad call. I know you want to talk more about you know this Kyle Trask kid that looked all right um, against our defense, but. I think, Will, they showed up, you know, more than I expected. This defense, especially early on, they were they were containing this Florida offense. Yeah, I can't believe we're sitting here talking about the defensive performance when you <laughs> give up 38 points, but that is Florida's tied for their least uh, amount of offensive output this season. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can't really complain about the defense's performance against this Florida offense. Um, the, our offense honestly just didn't capitalize. Once again, we, we had multiple times where penalties killed us once we got into Florida's side of the field. Um, there was one specific drive. Uh, we're up 10 to 7 driving down the field. We have the ball Florida 35, second and one, and you get an illegal formation penalty, and then you run for one yard on second and six, and then you get another uh, false start penalty and that knocks you completely out of field goal range and what looked like was a promising drive to possibly go up two scores against the number six or five team in the country mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden you're punting the ball back to them so that's just we've really struggled throughout this season offensively once we've gotten the ball to around our own 40 45 yard line you mm-hmm. watch a lot of drives stall you just um, stall. Whether it's you just stop. conservative play calling so that that's very concerning, but that is that is having a young team, and I, I think you are starting to see these guys kind of develop. And what's really exciting for the future, because um, you know we're we're going to be a little bit more pessimistic later. But what's really exciting for the future <laughs> is this core of talented receivers that they have. Uh, it, it's high praise to say, considering you know Jordan Matthews, Chris Boyd, John, Jonathan Kraus, but this group with Chris Pierce, Amir Abdurrahman. Ben Bresnahan and Cam Johnson has the potential yeah. to be up there talked about with those guys if they can mm-hmm. continue this production because they finally got a quarterback that can get them the ball. Yeah, it's a really good core. You, you look at it, and a lot of guys around the SEC, whether whether they're writers or or even analysts from SEC Network, you know, I think Gene Chizik, I don't know if you've been watching late night SEC Network, but he is a big Vandy guy. And 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 he 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 gives kudos to Derek Mason, you know, with this situation and and well, I'm gonna say, Derek Mason, he do, he has gotten the most out of these guys. Whether whether someone wants to argue with that, you know, I, it, it, it's up 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 in the air. But with the amount of opt outs, how what is it, 27 opt outs 
this year. Uh, and transfers since the end of last season. Since the end of last season, which is absolutely mind-boggling um, to, you know, in every sort, uh, in every sense of the word. But Derek Mason, yes, they have not won a game, but they they that was a close game at half. And, and Vanderbilt was in striking range throughout that game and, and and yes moral victories are are usually not expect not not uh, accepted within the Vanderbilt community but I mean it, it's they really have been fighting and and as pessimistic as we have been um it, it's it, it's always hard to find some positivity about this team um and whether or not Derek Mason is the coach next year um you know they will continue to fight for him till the very end and and that, that's that's got to say a little bit for Derek Mason um, you know, we, we've, we have our opinions on him, uh, but, but will it's, it, it was definitely not all good against Florida. Uh, but I, I just want to say that, you know, he, he has gotten um, a decent amount out of, out of a team with not a lot of depth. Yeah. Th- this last four game stretch has, has not been the issue with Derek Mason. What, what he's done consistently is have performances like this against Florida. If every performance was as strong as it has been against Florida and Kentucky, and we were still zero and seven, and you and you dropped close ones against um, Ole Miss, and you dropped a close one against uh, Mississippi uh, State, yeah, South Carol South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we'd be having this same conversation. And LSU, for that matter, they're they're mm-hmm. not that good this season. Um, but you can't have a forty-one seven loss to a South Carolina team that's really not good and yeah. fired their head coach that that's unacceptable mm-hmm. and he has those consistently year in year out just head scratching game plans and performances mm-hmm. he really um, so. he, he does he does and and you know we talked about the bright spots a little bit earlier um you know with the offense chris pierce um you know ken, i mean ken seals the kid is getting better every week um you know we talk about it um almost every podcast and and you know i this this could have been you know some of his throws he, he that first drive will was whew, I mean, that was a an ele- that was an electric start to the game uh, for Vanderbilt to get up seven nothing like that the way they did. Uh, very impressive from Seals. But we'll listen to this. Um, you know, we we got to move on to a little bit more. We got basketball to talk about, but Vanderbilt's kicking situation has been very interesting all year. Um, I think you might know where I'm going with this. Pearson Cook looked good. Uh, he looked he, surprised. He looked good Saturday, but there are some specialists in quarantine. And this is a breaking story this evening on Tuesday night in Nashville from the Vanderbilt Hustler is Simon Gibbs. He says Vanderbilt soccer's Sarah Fuller has practiced with the football team. So the the question is, will she play Saturday? We don't know. Um, It is believed, though, that she would become the first woman to log a snap in a Power 5 football game. And will she practice with the team this afternoon? Multiple sources confirmed to the Hustler. What say you? <laughs> well, I, I'm a little bit torn on this because she would not be the first football college football player. There's actually this is going to be the stat of the day for everybody out there. There is stat a kicker at Adams State University, a Division two program. Where's that? Uh, Re- Rebecca Longo. That's that's a great question. <laughs> but she she is scholarship there and is believed to be the first one a football scholarship at any wow. level. Wow, wow. So there, there is precedent of this, but obviously not FBS or FCS level. This is the only position that I can honestly say I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been more talk about mm-hmm. a female kicker because the argument against it is, well, that she's obviously going to be smaller. 
but it's not exactly like a lot of these kickers are out there six foot three, 210 pounds. I mean, how often is a kicker in a situation after kicking a field goal where they have to go make a play? And how often do they actually go make a play? Yeah, other than carry Spear. The uprights, I don't care if you're female, male, uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll take you. Yeah, exactly. If we can have somebody consistently kick field goals, it doesn't matter to me. The, yeah. the interesting side of this that we don't really have time to get into is Title IX requires you to have, and this is obviously not Vanderbilt giving them a scholarship, but mm -hmm. for future reference, Title IX requires you to have equal scholarships, equal aid given to males and females, but football is classified as a male sport. Um, the next interesting mm. thing that is going to happen, and that's a lot of scholarships, it's 85 scholarships for FBS programs, yeah. that, which is why yeah. teams like Vanderbilt don't have men's soccer. Mm -hmm. Well, what, what is going to be interesting if, is if this trend continues, you, you could see the argument that, well, it's not a men's sport because there's no women's soccer. It's a unisex sport. Um, if a woman's good enough, she can get a scholarship just like a man can. So that, that's something interesting to keep an eye on yeah. if that ever becomes a thing, because that would save athletic departments a lot of money on revenue losing sports, especially these kind of outside of Power Five that don't get the SEC revenue checks or the Big Ten revenue checks. Mm -hmm. Here's a quote from Coach Mason um, on the kicking situation. He said, we're working through it right now. For us, every week is about getting to the practice field and about making sure that we put the best possible kicker out there. So we're competing. Uh, right now, like I said, I've got to go out to practice today and see what gets done. But hopefully, I'll have an update for you on Thursday. So again, if, if Sarah Fuller, the Vandy women's soccer player, kicks on Sunday, on Saturday, not Sunday, in Columbia, it is believed that she would become the first woman to log a snap in a Power 5 game. How about that? Um, so, again, that would definitely make history. Uh, we'll see. We'll continue to monitor if that happens and, and, and how that uh, kicking situation continues to shape up. But, Will, let's roll on here. We got Vanderbilt in Tennessee. That is our next talking point. We're going to run through this a little bit quicker. Uh, but, again, it, it is postponed. No longer will Vanderbilt play Tennessee on Saturday. It was set for 6.30 p.m. Central. Um, here in Nashville, it was going to be played at Vanderbilt Stadium with families, you know, probably close friends of, of both teams in attendance. Definitely would not have been the same. But, Will, this was, you know, a tradition that I know a lot of Vanderbilt fans always look forward to every year. I, maybe not. I don't know if I could say the same for Tennessee fans. I know, you know, a lot of a lot of them definitely in a good year look forward to that one in terms of, you know, historically beating up Vanderbilt. But you know, the last several years, we know that Vanderbilt has, you know, I don't want to say, but they've owned this rivalry. You know, they have, they, they own this rivalry here in the last several years. And, and I wanted, you know, I was really interesting and excited to, to, to get to watch that game Saturday, but it's not going to happen. And, and, you know, I, I, whether, whether it was, it was created by, by Tennessee or, you know, or Arkansas or, or whoever, um, you know, this is, this is this is a coronavirus issue. You know, this isn't Tennessee, you know, with with exterior ulterior motives. This is a COVID issue and Tennessee, they could not feel a team safely Saturday to play. Yeah. After reading more into it, it was actually um, triggered by Arkansas um, and Arkansas was Missouri's original opponent. And Missouri, obviously, the Missouri Vanderbilt game, this would have been their third game that was canceled and they would not have had. Uh, a place to schedule and play their remaining games. So they would have had less than those 10 initially. 
So th this actually made a lot of sense. Um, the SEC just shuffled it around. And Tennessee mm -hmm. was also struggling. It was going to be right on that edge of having the right or, or the required amount of scholarship players. Yeah. So, which obviously the SEC decided to help out Tennessee a little bit instead of Vanderbilt when they were around that. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll move right past that and won't get into that portion. So um, we can all blame Arkansas for ruining this position for us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Arkansas, for ruining our Thanksgiving and not not letting us watch a, an electric matchup between Tennessee and Vandy. Electric. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's obviously it's a tough situation, but Vanderbilt, they'll get back, right back on the field and play Mizzou. Um, <laughs> again, you, you mentioned the bus drive. It'll be it'll be interesting. You know, Vanderbilt, they've, they've prepared now twice for Missouri. They didn't play – uh, Missouri first time out so again we'll see we'll talk more about that though later in this week but will one more football talk topic before we move on to um, basketball towards the end here Dimitri Moore is gone he is um, he's he has decided to opt out and well this is this was definitely surprising I, I, it was it was you know initially surprising to me uh, because you know Dimitri Moore is is arguably our best player on defense you know a lot of people would say he is um, but you know, in, in hearing, listening to coach Mason, it was personal reasons, you know, Dimitri Moore has been struggling with a lot. Um, a lot of his close family members, um, you know, really being affected by, by the virus it, as, as a lot of other people have been, um, and, and will this is, you know, it's very cliche to say this, but this is bigger than football for Dimitri Moore right now. Um, and, and again, the timing isn't great. Obviously, you got three few few more games left, and and he's no longer a Commodore. But what a career he had! Yeah, I, I just want to touch on one thing um, on this: is he's not just opting out; he's entering the graduate transfer portal. Yes, so he will yes, be forgot to mention that. Yeah. Um. So he is transferring away from the program. He's not going to be back next year. And it would be one thing if this was just Dimitri Moore. We know he opted out initially, decided to opt back in, opted out. Now he's entering the transfer portal, whatever, mm -hmm. if it was just him. And we have a thread of all uh, the players that have opted out yeah. from Vanderbilt since the end of last season. And it is mind boggling, opted out or transferred. There's 27. It is. The, the average team of transfers, and there's 20 transfers. So it's only seven opt outs, 20 transfers, including Dimitri Moore. And the average team has five, five transfers. Um, mm. And I'm just going to say, regardless, I, I understand he's issues that, and I, and I don't want to speculate on what those are, but you don't often see players choosing to trade season in this or, or this close to the season when a lot of these happened, when the program is in a good state. You don't yeah. see this happening a lot in Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama or hell mm. even a, a team that's middle of the pack like Kentucky traditionally. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a symptom of the mess and implosion under under Derek Mason's leadership. Um, and and I don't know if Derek Mason is if he is the head coach next year. I'm not sure that the next guy is going to be able to bring them back. Because right now, Vanderbilt is in the gutter. This is definitely the lowest point in the last 20. Yeah. Uh, Will has partially cut out here, but um, I will, up until he gets back in here, um, I will continue the conversation. Obviously, uh, Dimitri Moore, you know, no longer uh, will be in a Commodore uniform, uh, but the timing definitely not favorable. Vanderbilt had a few big games coming up. Um, 
but boy, for, for Dimitri Moore, we I wanted mm-hmm. to touch on there. There you are, Will. We uh, I was talking for you uh, up up until uh, you got back, but uh, continue. All right, am I back? All yes, right. sir. <laughs> the the big thing I I completely lost my train of thought there. For some reason, our connection is has had an issue, but just just keep rolling, keep rolling with Dimitri Moore. <laughs> Um, the, the big thing here is Mason has lost not only the fans, which are usually the first to go on a head coach. Mm-hmm. They've lost the faith of the player. He's lost the faith of the players. And I don't know if it's Mason individually that they've lost faith in, but they're seeing the writing on the walls that Mason's tenure is coming to an end. They're seeing the lack of support from Vanderbilt's athletic department, no commitment to any of the upgrades that they promised, no commitment on any front regarding athletics. And, and that's really concerning to see. No doubt. And, and again, we'll, we will talk a lot more about uh, the interior issues with Vanderbilt football that have been that have been going on this year. It's definitely been uh, quite the year in terms of opt outs, transfers. Um, and again, we will continue to touch on that. But Will, let's take the final four minutes of this to talk about Vanderbilt basketball. They will open the season this Friday night inside Memorial Gym. No fans in attendance. Um, boy, is that going to be interesting, kind of an eerie feel uh, inside Memorial Gym. But uh, we'll continue to monitor COVID in, in college basketball because it is going to be a wild year of college basketball with all kinds of cancellations. Uh, obviously, Tennessee, you've seen Rick Barnes uh, test positive and, and, you know, their players, their team having to shut down. They had to take they had to drop out of a tournament with Gonzaga, a game with Gonzaga. So tough situation. But Vanderbilt is is surviving right now. And and will we? They released a scrimmage, uh, the inter squad scrimmage highlights that were very impressive. Got a kind of an inside sneak peek uh, at the team, and I like it. I, I really like the look so far. I love the depth, um, and, and I know I know you're really excited about uh, about Friday night also. Yeah, I'm excited to turn the page a little bit um, to basketball. This football season has obviously been quite disappointing. This Valparaiso game would have a lot more interesting storylines if Bryce Drew was still the head coach, which I'm sure he was when this was scheduled. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that, that highlight ta- or the highlights of that were something to get excited about. There were a lot of big plays, and it'll be interesting to see a lot of the same guys from from this last team that played so hard all season, but but struggled in the win column. See them improve onto the next year. So I, I'm looking forward to, to that on Friday night. Can't wait. Uh, again, Vanderbilt and Valparaiso, that'll tip off. It was originally set for 7 o'clock, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and, but they had to move it up to 6 uh, for whatever reason. You know, I think every excuse is COVID right now. Uh, so that's uh, that's where we're at with that one. 6 o'clock tip off on the SEC Network. So uh, it's going to be fun to tune into that Friday night after all your turkey, Will. Um, hopefully you'll, um, you know, be relaxing watching that. Uh, but, but again, football, they will be in Columbia on Saturday, 11 a.m. kick against the Missouri Tigers. That'll be on SEC Network. And right before that, though, Friday night, we got Vanderbilt and Valparaiso, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. For Will Byram and myself, Billy Derrick, you've been listening to Episode 50 of The Dorm Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Florence.